Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred? Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of a middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Middle Seats Podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. My name is Andrew Jay, and we've got a big show today. First. Let's meet our guest. He can finish a Rubik's Cube at a pace faster than a speeding bullet and believes in truth, justice, and the Pokemon way. Mr. Nate Lungarini. <laughs> How we doing, everybody? My weakness is Doritos chips, but my greatest strength is hands down my ability to look good at all times. He's such a bold hero, he would broadcast his kryptonite over Whoa. the air. Anyway, hearing that kryptonite, and potentially using it against us, he's our resident villain, the condiment king to our Batman and Superman, Mr. Jake Hensler. Are you kidding me? <laughs> condiment king? <laughs> That's you love. Can <laughs> you can thank Lego Batman movie for me knowing That's who condiment low. king is. <laughs> oh, man. My God. That was too far. Anyway, you guys can see the heroes and villains themes in our opening because here on the middle seats, this is episode 10, I believe, right? Is that correct, Nate? Yeah, I, think, uh, it's I think so. We have hit double digits, and boy, is it a huge one to hit double digits. If you're just joining us for the first time, our show is divided into three segments. We start the show with Lobby Talk, where one of the members of the crew picks a topic, and we just kind of go back and forth about it for about 10, 15 minutes, as you would as if you were in the lobby of a movie theater. Then we move into the biggest news of the week in film and entertainment with our news discussion, and then we move on to our feature review, eventually into our spoiler section. This week, it is of the big DC team-up film, justice league so guys i know we're going to want to talk about justice league for a while so i'm going to skip the formalities here at the beginning let's move straight into lobby talk let's all go to the lobby you're in the lobby what do you look like i will blow up the block before you can make the lobby so it's my week to propose lobby talk and i figured i'd keep it all in theme we're not going to talk about our specific feelings of justice league as a quality of a movie currently we're going to make you wait till the end of the show, build a little suspense for that. However, there's another side to this coin that I really wanted to discuss, and that is currently how Justice League is performing at the box office. Now, you would think with the precedence of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and even the precedent of the future DC movies that Justice League would have been a huge, huge success at the box office this weekend. However, that was not the case. It's going to be opening around 95 to $100 million in that range. We'll have the exact estimates after this show uh, is done recording. However, that 95 to $100 million, you would think, you know, Nate, Jake, you hear that total? That, that sounds like a good total, right? Like, that sounds I'll, like a lot of money. That's more money than I'll make, <laughs> that's for sure. That's more money than I'll ever sniff in my life. However, Justice League costs $300 million to make estimated. Shoo! I think it's because of all the reshoots that went on with the, all the behind-the-scenes trouble production, and we'll get into that more right. specifically when we get into our review. Plus, if you add an additional roughly $150 million, which is roughly what it takes to market a movie like this, you're looking at about a $500 million price tag for a movie that only opened to about $100 million here and opened in pretty much every major market 
and it only opened to under 300 million. So it's got some recuperating to do it. It's the lowest opening of a DCEU movie so far. Man of Steel opened to 116 million in 2013. Batman v Superman opened to 166 million in 2016. Wow. Suicide Squad also in 2016, $133 million opening. Wonder Woman earlier this year, $103 million opening, a huge, huge success, a big critical success too. So this is the lowest opening in the DCEU with the big team up, the big coup de gras, their big centerpiece. Guys, I'm going to make you play executive here in this hypothetical lobby talk. Aquaman's their next movie. It opens in December of 2018. They have 13 months to recuperate from this basically box office disaster. Nate Lungarini, you work for Warner Brothers. Where do you go from here in the DCEU? Well, for starters, I would take a look at my handy-dandy Wikipedia page here that tells me that the DCEU currently has 18 movies planned. Uh, only five have release dates, and that's Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman 2, a cyborg movie, and a Green Lantern movie. Wait, wait, wait. That's the ex- 18 is the real number. But 18 Oy is vey. the full-fledged planned number. Oh um, just throwing out a couple names. You have Flashpoint movie, a Suicide Squad 2, Nightwing, Deathstroke, a Lobo movie, a Dark Justice League movie. There's a whole bunch of plans calm down which are literally just movie titles and for me as an executive i'm I'm just gonna cut straight past the bs they are throwing crap at the wall and seeing what sticks and that is not how you plan out a movie marvel when they did this whole superhero connected universe thing they had one guy pulling all the strings to make the connected universe make sense So each movie had a step to go in. DC clearly does not have that. (laughs) They were setting up four different movies in Batman vs. Superman that really annoyed audiences. And they clearly don't have a plan here. So I would scrap almost all these major major plans right away and start with a blank slate of what movies do my audience people want to see. So just to clarify your stance... Are we getting rid of the DCEU, or are we hard rebooting inside of the DCEU? If I'm a Warner Brothers executive, I would love to just flat out reboot everything, because I'm not happy with the DCEU, but it's not going to happen. There's way too much money on the line, and Warner Brothers as a company needs superhero material to stay competitive. And you got you to gotta keep it going, unfortunately, in my opinion. Jake, go ahead. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of... I, I think a lot of it is money-based. Um, you know, the other movies did make a lot of money in general. I think, to take Justice League out, they're still making money for the most part. Now, they have, they officially have a critical success with Wonder Woman on their hands. I think Wonder Woman is one of the big factors there because people loved Wonder Woman and it was a huge, huge hit for for them, but it was also a big thing for, for a woman market and a woman audience. I think they have to rechange all of their marketing and really sit down and figure out what they're doing because... So that 18 number that Nate threw out there, scrap it. Screw it. Get rid of it. F- buckle down and focus on your heroes one at a time. So Aquaman's next. Is James Wan still attached to Aquaman? Yeah, he. that's in the midst of film. Excellent. That's pretty much done filming, I'm pretty sure. Excellent. So we have, we have a good director there. Now we have to figure out how we get people to watch it. Right. You have to market the hell out of Aquaman. Um, you know, make sure you don't need reshoots. 
put a lot of your money into making it look cool, making it something people want to see. And then Flash. Flash is getting a lot of buzz from uh, from moviegoers. Get that right. Get your central characters right first. And then, and then if you're starting to make leeway, we can call it a rocky start. We have our heroes down. Let's focus, you know, now we can start to venture into some other different kind of places. So I don't think, I don't know if they quite abandoned it just yet, especially because Wonder Woman is such a success, but they really have to sit down and just, they have to stop, I'm, I'm trying not to be vulgar, they have to stop messing around. <laughs> they have to really sit down and figure out what they want to do and where they want to go with this. Like Nate said, Marvel had steps that each movie takes. They have no steps. They're like, they're jumping sideways and going underneath the steps. I don't know what they're... So they really have to buckle down and figure that out, I think is my main my main point. Jake, I appreciate you censoring yourself on the Lord's Day. <laughs> I think he appreciates <laughs> it too. Um, I, you filled in the blank of what I was going to say as far as one specific point that I was going to bring up. Um, there are two things that make this really... Three things, I would say, that make this really tricky to just completely scrap altogether. The first, like you said, is Wonder Woman. Because she is a bona fide hit. Gal Gadot was a star um, now because of this role. Um, she's turning into this big feminist icon with her public persona as well. It would be a big blow to scrap the DCEU and lose her with it. Yeah. Um, the another part of this is they got one shot to make a Justice League movie for the first time. They That, for, that one shot doesn't come again. And after that, if you try to reboot here, you're going to need to, and like start all over from scratch, you're going to need to take probably 15 to 20 years off yeah. to wash all of this out of audience's <laughs> yeah. mind. So that doesn't sound like a Warner Brothers no. executive to me, Drew. That like, doesn't, no. Look at Sony with Spider-Man. Yeah. They no. waited, what, two years before rebooting him? Yeah. Think Again? of me, <laughs> think of, think of me as a disgruntled third party here. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and the third thing that is a very real possibility is your one of your th three main stars is looking to get out of town on the franchise as soon as possible. Ben Affleck may not pl ever play Batman again. He has made that vocally, <laughs> vocally cr clear that he barely is even considering, really, Matt Reeves' standalone Batman film, let alone coming back for another Justice League film. So what do you do there if your major star doesn't want to come back? One of your main stars. One of the things that across the board, even with people that have had problems with Batman v Superman and Justice League, they've agreed that Ben Affleck makes a pretty good Batman. What do you do? Cry. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, you break out the sad Affleck memes and you just deal with that for a little bit. But once you get past that, if you're looking for the light at the end of the tunnel, there's one franchise that comes to mind that got hugely more successful in its second half. It's the Fast and the Furious franchise is what I'm thinking of. Th this is a franchise that uh, one through four at the beginning didn't make a lot of money, was not very critically well-received, but really picked itself up when it realized where the root of the audience is and just went for it completely. And five through eight have been extremely profitable and likable and loved by critics and audiences. The DCEU, obviously not an apples-to-apples comparison, but what they need to do, like Nate kind of said, is slow down, figure out these specific characters. I said make, that. Both of you said that. We all are saying <laughs> It's that. a sensible thing to do. <laughs> right. It, it, it's not, it's the entire world is screaming this at DC right now. Mm -hmm. You need to slow down 
and go one at a time, slowly but surely, these individual films, and then build up to another team-up event. That's the only huh, way. exactly what Marvel did. How about that? Right. And <laughs> this trying to do this, I understand why they tried to do the inverse of what Marvel did. Start big, then go small. Because they want to be different. But there's a reason the Marvel formula worked. And we'll get into this more specifically what I think about this when we get into our Justice League review. But there's a reason the Marvel formula worked. And just being different for the sake of different isn't always the best. So yeah, that's what they need to do. I think yeah. we're all vaguely in agreement there. Yeah, I was I was um, saying to you guys. I think right before right before we all saw it, this is a movie that if it if it really does bomb, people don't forget. Like so, like Spider Man three and <laughs> Amazing Spider Man two, they still get so much shit from audiences. So much yeah. that I didn't censor myself that time. And I'm actually really really surprised that this movie isn't doing well um, because. Audience confidence was definitely shaken after Suicide Squad because you had the yeah. average at best Man of Steel, the horrible Batman vs Superman, the in my opinion just as bad Suicide Squad, if not worse. And then you have Wonder Woman, which was good. And then, ideally, on an upswing, more people are confident to see Justice League. But people remembered the bad DC movies, and that's why they aren't going to this one. Right. Which. Sucks for DC, but you got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You put yourselves in this hole. I've got to admit, I'm a little surprised that the audience has picked up so fast. You know how I am. I'm very cynical with audiences, specifically picking up on trends. It, we we think of audiences like, why do they go back? The, these, movies, these movies are abusing them over and over again. Why do they go back? Like the Transformers series. Exactly. <laughs> like, we don't have a choice. But this, yeah, we don't have a choice. <laughs> why are they going back if we continue to punish ourselves over and over again? But this year... And that's a good point, Nate, with Transformers movies, too. We are seeing audiences pick up on these trends and not putting together. Huh, Rotten Tomatoes isn't a conspiracy. Right, exactly. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes isn't rigged against DC, considering it's owned by DC and Warner Brothers. <laughs> so audiences picked up on this quicker than I thought they would. So good job, audiences. Good job. <laughs> Yay. Progress. Yay, you did a thing. <laughs> But anyway, we're going to put Justice League aside for a second and get into the content of our review soon. But we're going to talk about some other superhero stuff in our news segment. And this just in, a news break special report. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. So guys, two big trailers, uh, teaser trailers specifically, were released this week onto the internet for two very different, but still both very highly anticipated sequels. First, we're going to take a look at the little, the little bit more, not a little bit more, a lot more raunchy one. And we're going to take a look at the teaser for Deadpool 2. Kind of a weird teaser because it only has certain segments from the movie. Very small glimpses of footage. It's mostly just Deadpool riffing off the Bob Ross artist kind of videos and doing his little cute thing there. It's a very amusing, fun little teaser. Kind of get our foot in the water for Deadpool 2, which is coming out next June. It's directed by David Leitch this time, who was one of the co-directors on the original John Wick, did Atomic Blonde this summer, and is the sole director here on this big comic book sequel after Tim Miller left the project. Uh, of course, Ryan Reynolds is back. Joining him and returning is Karen Sony, Monica Bukharin, TJ Miller, Brianna Hildebrand, Stefan Kapicic, uh, and two big additions to the cast, Josh Brolin as Nathan Summers slash Cable, and Zazie Beetz as Domino, two very popular characters from the comics guys of course i know all of us are looking forward to deadpool 2 what do you think of 
this teaser? Does it get you even more excited? Do you think the marketing is going to be just as clever as the one from the original? Jake, let's start with you. I love the Deadpool marketing. I think it's some of the best marketing we've potentially ever seen. It's a genius. Because not only is it does it fit the characters so well, the fact that they're doing this year-round keeps them super relevant. Like, people don't forget about Deadpool because of these little things that he does. So not only was the movie good and the people love the character, when he does things like this, it's like, it reminds people, oh, right, Deadpool. Oh, right, we love Deadpool. Deadpool's very funny. He's very he's very original. You know, it keeps us keeps us updated on what he's doing, Bob Ross style. I think it's I think it's great. And every time he they do something like this, I do laugh. He's just, you know, he's always almost always around. I think it's great. Is it weird for me to say that I think I like the marketing for Deadpool better than I like the actual movie? No, I don't think so actually. <laughs> I know, I kind of get it. Yeah. <laughs> um I I really did like just the jabs at the whole movie making process. Um even with the opening credits of Deadpool to the marketing that it did. Um, disguising it as a romantic comedy for Valentine's Day was genius. Um, So I I am definitely looking forward to Deadpool. My my one like little asterisk, I guess, is that Deadpool is going to be an interesting case because it's not just a superhero sequel, which come out all the time, obviously. It's a sequel to a comedy movie, which are definitely trickier to make because you people have an expectation for the kind of tone but they don't want to be bored. So you can't just rehash the same jokes from the si- the first movie. You got to come up with something new, but still keeping to the Deadpool sense of humor, which can be a little ADD and run out of steam if it goes on a little too long. So uh, I have, I have utmost faith in the project because Deadpool one pulled it off and Ryan Reynolds is born for this role. Right. Um, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to say. Yeah, and he is he's born for this role, and he understands this character so amazingly well. And that's one of the big reasons why the marketing is so spectacular for these movies, because they understand that a lot of fans of Deadpool love his like psychopathic randomness and his ability to break the fourth wall and just kind of insert himself in different ways in pop culture. And yeah. Nate, I don't share a lot of those concerns because there's a lot of randomness that you could... Uh, kind of build up with Deadpool that you couldn't do with a lot of other comedy sequels or superhero sequels. He's just that kind of character where you can put him in any scenario and it would it would work. And we're going to be potentially adding time travel to this movie with Cable's character. Right. Which is ridiculous. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> it's not going to make any sense or anything. I'm just hoping... So the first film, it's, it's a great, funny film. It's it's absolutely deserves to be the breakout hit it, it deserved to be. But I see what you're saying when you said that you kind of enjoyed the marketing more than the movie, because the movie itself is kind of a generic origin story. However, with that off the table, they can do whatever the hell they want now. And that's what makes me so excited, because they're adding all these new elements, like Josh Brolin and like the Domino character, and they're just going to be able to go for broke for it. And this first teaser makes me really excited that they're just going to... They're going to sit down, smoke some weed, and figure out, wouldn't it be cool if Deadpool did this? Wouldn't it be cool if Deadpool did that? And that might feel a little ADD, and hopefully it doesn't go beyond, like, two hours. If he's riding a unicorn in space by the end of the movie, I'll be happy. Right, exactly. (laughs) It'll be an absolute blast, regardless. So, yeah, it's not controversial for us to say, all three of us to say, that we're very excited for Deadpool. Um, And I think this teaser was a great way to get us interested in a movie that we've been waiting for for a little bit of time. Speaking of a superhero sequel we've been waiting for, especially me, for a lot, lot longer. Guys, The Incredibles 2 is coming. It is the sequel almost 15 years, more than 15 years, in the making. 
directed by Brad Bird, one of the icons of animation directing, the Iron Giant, the original Incredibles, Ratatouille. In live action, he made Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Um, again, a very brief glimpse of the film, like a lot of Pixar teasers do. It's very Jack-Jack heavy. Who Jack-Jack's still a baby. It's just good to see the Incredibles again. Mr. Incredible's there at the end. Craig T. Nelson's back playing him. Holly Hunter's back as Elastigirl. Samuel Jackson is back as Frozone. Woman, get me my super suit. Yes! More characters returning. Apparently the plot focuses specifically on Elastigirl this time. Andrew, tell the audience what number this uh, the first Incredible is for you all time. Not only is the first Incredibles my favorite animated movie of all time, it is my number four favorite movie of all time. So, so to say you're hyped is an understatement. Well, Jake, how hyped are you? Let's let's start I'm, there. I'm pretty I'll, I'll I'm pretty hyped. Down. I don't have Incredibles in my top five like like you do. Uh, and it's been a couple a few years since I've seen it, definitely. But I mean, it's it's undeniably a great movie. Anybody, I don't. It's one of those movies that like everybody sees, likes to some extent. Yeah, it's it's one of the more forgotten Pixar's, I'd say, just because everyone always says Finding Nemo up uh, inside out recently. Yeah, but. I think Incredibles is my favorite Pixar movie. It is just so solid as not only like a spy movie, a superhero movie, just a family movie. It is so solid. All the characters are awesome, and I cannot wait to see this sequel. It is the smartest movie that Pixar has ever made, and that's really saying something. Mm-hmm. That, in my opinion, it's one of the it's one of the smartest animated movies written. It's the best Fantastic Four movie we've ever gotten, <laughs> which again, it's not a high bar to climb, but still... Um, and even the video game was good. Yes, it <laughs> was. That out it there. was. <laughs> it was. I had it for GameCube. Yeah. Um, something that did pike man first is that uh, the only real story detail we got from this trailer is that Jack Jack is still a baby. So this movie is going to be taking place pretty soon right. after the events of the original Incredibles, rather than doing what they did in Toy Story, where they jumped eight, ten years in the future. By no means does this make or break the movie for me. I just thought it was interesting because there were a lot of theories going around that maybe we'd seen a teenage Jack-Jack and a whole new dynamic to the family rather than kind of the adolescent stage of it all. But it'll be interesting to see where they go. I can't wait. Yeah, see, I think it 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 makes sense that, I'm, that we want to see where it's going next, specifically six months after. Because if you think of how the first film ends... Spoilers for the for a fifteen plus year old movie that you should have seen by now if you haven't. Shame, shame. But <laughs> the movie ends with superheroes being reintegrated into society, and I think it's interesting to see where they are six months right. later, even if it is fifteen plus years in real life. It's very interesting to see immediately what happens after that story, even with all these different impositions that had been put on them by the government. Where are we going next? It could be what Batman v Superman wasn't. It could even do what Watchmen does better than Watchmen did. Um, the movie, mm-hmm. I'm saying. The the novel, the graphic novel is a masterpiece, but that's a, <laughs> an aside. Um, I feel like I'm dominating the conversation. Sorry, Jake, do you have anything to say? <laughs> <laughs> I was, well, this is, I was going to say, this is, your, this is your topic. If, if anything was, it, it is this. Um, I, I will, when they first announced it, I was slightly skeptical, as you know, most people are with big hit successes looking for a sequel. Um, but when they, when they announced Brad Bird would be coming back, and he would only be coming back when he felt satisfied with the ideas and the script that he had. I was like, okay, they're not rushing it. They're not looking for a set date. They're taking their time. Brad Bird is on it, taking his time. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm comfortable with it. Guys, I, I have a theory. And tell me if I'm completely crazy. 
is Disney making their big live action original projects fail on purpose so that Pixar directors come back and make sequels to movies that they were never going to do? <laughs> Think about it this way. Andrew Stanton made John Carter and it completely failed. So Disney's there as he's begging for change on the sidewalk and is like, hmm, how about this uh, Finding Dory idea? And then we get Finding Dory in 2016. Brad Bird makes Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland makes no money. Brad Bird takes Andrew Stanton's place on the corner and they come and they're like, hmm, can you give me a little bit of that Incredibles 2 goodness? And 2018, <laughs> we're getting the Incredibles 2. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, but that mouse don't fuck around. It is an interesting idea, but my bold prediction for Incredibles 2 is that there are going to be more people our age in the theater than little kids. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so too. So we're going to move on here because we're going to move into our next segment. And Jake, if there was a topic <laughs> out of the three that's yours... This one would be yours. That is fair. Sony has announced that they've acquired the right to make Quentin Tarantino's newest film. Now, of course, Quentin Tarantino worked with the Weinstein Company forever. Uh, nobody's working with the Weinstein Company now except their lawyers. So <laughs> Sony has become the new home for Quentin Tarantino's Charles Manson set 1960s movie. Here's the brief synopsis of the movie. Set in Los Angeles in the summer of 1969, Tarantino's upcoming movie, according to a source who read the script, focuses on a male TV actor who's had one hit series and is looking for a way to get into the film business. The horrific murder of Sharon Tate and four of her friends by Charles Manson's cult of followers serves as a backdrop to the main story. So, sounds like, it, when you read it in a synopsis, sounds like two things that don't have anything to do with each other. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure he'll weave it in better than that synopsis did. Right now he's looking at Margot Robbie for his female lead and is really, really looking into her. The three candidates he has for a couple of the male leads are AAA plus listers. Brad Pitt, who he's worked with before, Leonardo DiCaprio, and I think most interestingly, Tom Cruise is a candidate. So we're starting to learn more and more. Obviously, we still have a long ways to go before this movie even goes into development any further. Um, Jake, we'll save you for last on this one. Nate, what do you think of this Manson movie? It was Tarantino's not. Well, it was definitely interesting because up to this point, the only news that we had was that it was focusing on Manson. And now the synopsis comes out and the focus of the story is trying to break into Hollywood. And Manson is now the backdrop for it, which is interesting. Um, that said, in terms of disjointed storytelling, focusing on different characters at different times... Tarantino's pretty darn good at it. Uh, look at Pulp Fiction, Jake's favorite movie there. That's a lot of different stories converging all in different you places. Can't do it better. And it works. And it works. So this will be interesting. I want to see how meta uh, Tarantino goes with this. Because obviously he has a huge experience working with Hollywood. And it'll be interesting to see a darker satirical look on his experience with it. I'm a little I'm a little sketchy on Tom Cruise mainly because he's a good actor for the roles that he's been in lately. He's good in them, but I don't know how I feel about him pairing with Tarantino. Now, Tarantino gets great performances out of basically all of his actors. So, you know, I'm I'm not against it, but that's the one I'm definitely most skeptical of. Just cuz Tom Cruise has this the same swagger and charm about him in every movie and I don't want to see it in a Tarantino one. I think Tom I I don't know. I think Tom Cruise is more range than you're giving him credit for and i I think he does just not lately lately he's the same guy maybe that's why he's gonna take this role jake yeah maybe then if he can if he can change himself up and you know take himself seriously and work well with tarantino i'm all about it but 
in a safe man standpoint, Pitt and DiCaprio are excellent choices that have been proven to work well with Tarantino in the yeah, past. Yeah, but when has Tarantino ever taken the safe road? Ever. <laughs> That's also true. He took Christoph Waltz, a nobody, yeah, and made him a star. Right. So. He, he did that. He yeah. revived the career of, of John Travolta. But as far as Tarantino goes, for those who don't know, if he's not my favorite, he's one of my absolute favorite directors. I've I've liked to love to adored everything he's done. I'm going to look forward to anything his name is attached to, pretty much. But um, you haven't seen Death Proof. No, I haven't. That's true. I haven't <laughs> seen that one. It's not um, that bad. <laughs> but everything else... Uh, that's hit, you know, big movie theaters I've seen. Um, I really like the Margot Robbie idea. Um, I like, I loved her in Wolf of Wall Street. Even in the movies, even the movies that aren't that great, I think she's pretty good in them. Um, so I think she's making a name for herself. But another interesting thing I read is that it's going to be based on historical events in the same sense that Inglorious Bastards is. Oh, Jesus. So like it takes place in a real world, but like it's not serious. So it's writing history with a crayon. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I so I don't know if that's for sure, but that's what I read. Now, Andrew, I know you're not a huge fan of bastards. I do like I don't, it. I don't. So. I think it's good. I just think people, some people consider it his best film, and I'm like, calm down. Yeah, I disagree mm. with that, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, if he's gonna do that again, it's an interesting route. Yeah, for sure. Um, interesting topic in general. So certainly, all all good news on news this week. Uh, we got two teasers yeah, for really. great movies. Uh, sequels to great movies at least um, we have a new Tarantino project in the works sometimes it takes a while to get details on those we have a lot of decent details right now I'm sure we're going to be getting more yeah he's very stingy about he it he is very stingy about it that'll do it for our news segment it'll bring us to our big review of the week we're all in for Justice League the others where are they the Aquaman he's a cyborg Barry Allen. He's a Batman. What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. That was a snippet of the trailer of Justice League, the big DC extended universe team-up movie that we've been building to for a couple of years now. It was directed by Zack Snyder for part of it, and then after a horrible, horrible tragedy that Zack Snyder had to drop out of the movie, Joss Whedon of The Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron came over to finish up the film. we got some spoilers coming up for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice if you haven't seen the movie, but it's a movie you absolutely have to see if you want to see Justice League because it will make no sense otherwise. Um, but here we go, going to the main synopsis for Justice League. Bruce Wayne slash Batman, played by Ben Affleck, and Diana Prince slash Wonder Woman, played by Gal Gadot. They're preparing for an otherworldly threat following the death of Clark Kent's Superman at the end of that film. He's played by Henry Cavill in a some kind of role in this movie. I won't say how much or how little, quite yet. Um, they recruit a team of superheroes to battle an otherworldly threat, the vil- villainous alien demon named Steppenwolf. He's voiced by Siren Hines. Um, they recruit three superheroes to their cause. The fastest man alive, The Flash. He's played by Ezra Miller. Victor Stone. He's the human cyborg, uh, played by Ray Fisher. And Aquaman, played by Jason Momoa. So guys, we talked about earlier in our lobby talk, everything riding on this film. Let's just get into it. Nate Lungarini, what did you think of Justice League? Well, uh, like I said earlier in lobby talk, I... Thought Man of Steel was disappointing, but average. Wonder Woman's good. Hated 
Batman vs. Superman and hated Suicide Squad. So does Justice League fit in the good end or the bad end of that spectrum? And I'll be fair, it's it's better than Batman vs. Superman, but it's not a good movie. <laughs> um, the DC is learning, though. It, it is definitely a more colorful movie. It's not, like, tone-deaf serious. There is a little bit of lightheartedness in there, which you might like or you might hate as a DC fan. Um, but for me, it worked slightly better as a movie. At the end of the day, it's just kind of bland. And we'll get more into that later. Jake, what do you think? Um, so I had, I had a little funny moment with myself. When I first saw Batman vs Superman, I went, that was alright. And then I slept on it, and I talked to you a little. I went for a run and thought about it, and I'm like, oh no, it wasn't. That wasn't alright. Never mind. <laughs> so I wasn't sure if I was going to have the same thing or not. Uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, Justice League is holding up better than Batman vs Superman is. This is my thing with Justice League. I kept... I kept waiting to see where the 40-something Metascore came in, and I kept waiting to start disliking it. I didn't get there. So I don't know if my expectations were low and I was just surprised, um, but I didn't hate it. I thought it was it was all right. Not great, but I generally felt myself enjoying it throughout the, throughout the movie, start to finish. I think they made some good choices to, you know, step in the right direction. Hmm. This might be a very interesting discussion here. Um, I'm going to echo the same sentiments that Nate, specifically echoed with the previous DCEU movies. I think I like Wonder Woman both uh, both more than you guys do. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's a very, very good movie. Um, it's a pretty solid way to do an origin story, and kind of this, it deserved to be the breakout hit that it was, I think, absolutely. Um, I think both of you are probably in more wooden seat territory where I'm closer to plush recliner. Um, I think Man of Steel's okay. I think it gets a little bit too much of a bad rap, um, but I also think it, in other ways, fully deserves the shit that it gets. Um, and then, yeah, Batman v Superman is an absolute mess, and Suicide Squad is an abhorrent, barely a movie mess. Um, huh. Going into Justice League, hmm, 90% of this movie is a bad movie. 90%. Um, the story is rushed and sloppy. Um, the CGI is frequently bad. Um, we'll get into that. The, the villain yeah. is horrible. The villain, even on bad superhero movie villain levels, the villain is terrible. It frequently feels anticlimactic. It feels slapdash. It feels like we've been thrown into a, the middle of a two-hour, 45-minute movie that just happens to be two hours because of studio mandates. 90% of this movie is bad. However, the 10% of this movie that is good is not only really good, but it's a really, really important element. And I think it's a big win for DC in that they finally, finally have gotten some of their characters right. Some of the character dynamics are, are great. Most of the interactions between the characters are really good. These characters, they're likable with each other and on their own. They banter with each other well. They work with each other well. These actors are doing a really good job, especially the new characters. Um, they're working to correct characters that they've wronged in the past, which we'll get into more later. Um, under other circumstances, getting those characters right, it wouldn't matter if the story and the villains and the CGI and everything were a mess. This would be a smash success. It would be, under different circumstances. Um, but I'll get into why these specific circumstances make this only, if I, if, I, I'm not even hesitant to call it a win, because it's not really. Um, it's just 
it's it's a baby step in the correct direction where they need to be headed. I'm smiling right now because it sounds like I get to be the bad guy here as the person who liked it the least, which makes me very, very happy. And that's more <laughs> smiling than I did for the entire movie. Really? I was yeah. There is there is just not much to like for me. Um for the most part, if you've seen all the trailers, you've seen probably more than half the jokes that are in the movie. Uh, there are definitely some cool action scenes that aren't um, all in the trailers, but all the set pieces are there. Drew liked the character interactions, and um, they were more hit or miss for me. Uh, the Flash, I think, is going to be the audience's key comedic character in this movie. And he's definitely got some funny lines, but it was about half and half for me, where the Flash was either funny or cringy. And it just didn't land with me personally. If you liked him, great. That's fine. Not a huge fan of Cyborg. He's really mopey. And his little character arc that he goes through with Wonder Woman is incredibly rushed. And Aquaman just doesn't have enough to do, in my opinion. The other characters that we've seen before are fine. Um, but only fine. And it's not really enough to justify a good movie for me. <laughs> justify. Nice. Well, I was I was going to say, for for me, and I'm, I'm going to sound like the good guy here, though I didn't love it. I wouldn't I wouldn't quite say good movie. Um, but it's something I'm going to have to be the one fighting for it here, which is a little odd. I wasn't sure if that was going to happen or not. I felt myself enjoying it, and a lot of the time was because I feel like they made they corrected a lot of the mistakes from from their past. So maybe I'm just easier on these movies than you guys because I don't hate BVS or Suicide Squad either. So maybe I'm just easygoing with, with them or I'm a little more forgiving, but... I do agree that they're correcting things. And I think what they're specifically correcting, I have to wait till spoilers to say. But yeah, I would agree with you there, Jake. Like I, I, I think they are working... Like for, for me, one of the major things that I thought was, was a good move on their part is the fact that it was only two hours or 159, whatever you want to call it, um, was a good move. It decided to run with the more character-driven, you know, feel and leave the story on the lighter side. And I feel like that worked because Batman vs Superman, there was like there was so much going on. Nobody can even explain the movie. It's a mess. It's awful. Nobody can explain to you what really happened in Batman vs Superman. They abandoned all that. So I feel like the fact that they just strictly decided to so to hone in on getting the characters, introducing them to us, introducing them to each other getting their personalities, getting a little backstory, getting their interactions, and just getting getting them on the screen and resonated with audiences, making that their focus was the move. And I think generally it generally worked out because I was I was never bored, which is a, a big plus from Batman vs Superman. I was entertained. I wasn't generally annoyed by anything in the story. You can tell you can tell when editing comes in and cuts things out. You can tell. Edward Scissorhands went through this movie and chopped it up. Like there are sequences where I don't, I legitimately think there was an A to E and we skipped B, C, D. And it doesn't necessarily not work, but you completely can feel it. But I think, generally speaking, they get a lot of the characters right, which for me, I was, I was walking See, out of there. This okay is with. The, the conversation I have with fans of Batman vs. Superman and uh, Suicide Squad is that, oh, I don't really care about the plot. I'm just here for the characters. I want to see these characters do fun things. And if that's the way you want to do it, fine, great, good for you. But that's just not how I look at a movie. And this movie does that where it says, all right, we're going to have the most bare bones plot possible so we could focus on the characters a little bit more. 
And if that's what you're happy with seeing this movie, great. Go see this movie. Go see Justice League. Have a fun time. I'm not going to stop you. But aren't your expectations just so low now? Think about it. This is one of the first movies where not only do we have Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman on screen, but we have some of the most iconic superhero characters of all time. And for people to say the movie wasn't a disaster, being an okay thing, pisses me off as a comic book fan. These are awesome characters that should be doing awesome stories, and our expectations and the bar is set so low that an average movie is now okay. That's not cool. Yeah, well, like, you also have to take into complete context of where we are at this point. Yeah, it sucks. It does. But considering where we just came from, yes, this is a victory. It's a small victory for sure. In it's my a participation opinion. trophy. It's getting us where we need to be. And this is this just goes back to their entire game plan, which, again, trying to be different and cram everything in the front loading by starting with a Justice League movie, then spinning off solo films. Okay, Jake, you're saying that we get the character dynamics and we skipped right to the interactions and stuff, but it feels immediately... I feel immediately shortchanged because I feel like, why why am I really investing if I just met Cyborg 15 minutes ago? Right, and I think that's the issue with not giving them standalone movies first. Absolutely. So so not getting standalone movies first, you know, there's a lot to tackle. We have to get introduced, get acquainted with, and learn about them all while the, they tackle tackle their own battles, learning about each other. There's a lot to do, and considering how messy it could have been, and I know I'm playing devil's advocate, advocate a little bit because... This shouldn't be a plus, but how messy it could have been or how messy I was expecting it to be, I was I was kind of pleasantly surprised. I'm like, you know what? We get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It kind of works. It's not it's not bad. And focusing on character and not so much plot, I think kind of worked out in their favor where BVS, they tried to do everything. You know, they they took a step back for this one, and I think it was it paid off a little. Right, but I think a lot of the reason it works for me is what the actors are bringing to it. Um, and I, I want to. Yeah, spe- I think a lot of the actors get it. I right. want to specifically highlight the new guy. I really liked Cyborg. Is a bit of a blank slate as a character, um, but I re- I really dug what uh, Ray Fisher brought to it. He has this weird. He has this like gravitas to him, and this kind of like self serious like. But he should be the self serious one on the team, kind of. Um, I dug him a lot. I think Ezra Miller does a great job as the Flash. Um, it's it's a very energetic performance. It's definitely he's probably my favorite of the new guys. Yeah, um, I'm very interested to hear what both of you have to say about Aquaman um, because I like Jason Momoa. I thought he did a pretty good job, um, but I think that character is the one that's shortchanged the most by this being a under two hour movie um, because that whole there's a whole sequence. There's one sequence in the movie where we go to Atlantis, um, and that was just such a it was such a trip, and it's it was such a like what the hell is going on? And by the time we're we're <laughs> in and out, like we're by the time we're we even understand what's going yeah. on, or who we're talking to, or or why we're here, it's it's in and out. Um, none of these characters are allowed to have any real sort of arc. Besides, we're heroes now. Besides, we're working together now. We don't get to see them go through any kind of character change. Because we haven't met any of them. The only character that gets a change is Wonder Woman. She has this whole arc about her stepping up, not just being a hero, which was what Wonder Woman was about, but Justice League is about her becoming a leader. And you know why she was allowed to have an arc, guys? Because no shit, she already had her own movie before this, and we've met her before. Ding, right. ding, ding. Let's move on to directors. Um, 
because we have two very different directors here um, where we have Zack Snyder, who is a very stylistic director um, versus Josh Whedon, who is definitely more of the comedic kind of director. Does this movie work glued together like this? What are you guys thoughts? What do you think? Because I, I feel like I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I I actually, for the most part, it's okay. It um, Suicide Squad had the problem where it was trying to be a serious movie and then a funny movie. Yeah, but this, the person who was writing the jokes didn't know how to write yeah, jokes. exactly. Um, so all the jokes were, we're the bad guys, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. This movie, um, even though the two heads are very, very different, they're still attached to one body, so it meshes a little bit cleaner. That's a good analogy. And the whole... The whole um, movie doesn't have the super serious tone, so that way the jokes don't feel completely out of place because it never gets to the serious tone. Right. <laughs> that said, because the movie has the comical tone, there's no gravitas to the actual plot going on. So there's never ever any sense of real danger because it needs to be a fun superhero movie. And this is kind of what annoys me is that it's just another Marvel movie now. It's an average or below average Marvel movie, depending on how you look at it. And the whole point of DC was to be different. But clearly it said what we're trying isn't working, so now we're just going to follow the Marvel formula. And that's not where they should be going either. But where do where do we... What do we expect from them, really, to be completely honest? Like, it's hard. No uh, doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, we don't want them to be too serious, but we don't want them to be too light. And so it's to be... To defend them, and, I, and I'm and i not usually the one to defend the DCEU, believe me, both of these guys know this, especially in the year 2016, I was the pit bull going up against <laughs> them. Um, but they're kind of in this impossible situation now um, where they need to, they they kinda, they need to hit this really good balance. And I think, I, I know you guys are very three out of five on Wonder Woman, but I think seeing what sh- Patty Jenkins was able to do with that balance what I think was some really high dramatic highs and some really solid comedic fish out of, out of water stuff, um, it's a really tough balance to strike. And you can see, even with these two very talented minds who really should clash um, making this one movie, you see how difficult it is to strike that balance because there are certain moments that definitely stand out as a Joss Whedon moment. And there are definitely moments that stand out as a Zack Snyder yeah, you moment. could tell when, they, when Whedon's influence mm-hmm. was in You it. can see specific yeah. pickup shots that, okay, Joss Whedon was the one that threw that in there. Um, it's a really hard balance to strike. And they need, I, I, do they get a second chance to build themselves back up and find that medium? I don't know. You know, are they going to get that chance? But yeah, I think it, it's it's tougher than we all believe it to be, you know? Oh, I'm, I'm sure it is. I think, and I think that's a lot of the the name of the game for me tonight. I was, I was so skeptical of this movie for so long, and my expectations were so low. The fact that I walked out of there, fine, is like, wow, okay, this is nice. It's nice to not not be totally disappointed. <laughs> Again, the fact that we are here is such a problem, right? Yeah. Right, and I agree, but for for it to be a step in the right direction is okay. I actually want to run something by by you guys because I feel like a lot of this is about characters, and I feel like that's where I'm going to be centering a lot. I think, I think my least favorite of the main heroes that were on display here was Batman, and it pains me to say that because I love Batman as a hero. I love the Dark Knight trilogy, and I thought he, 
I thought Affleck is okay in Batman vs Superman, but I think he might have been the lamest. Of I the think it's more of an movie. issue of plot. This is an end of the world plot, and the movie even pokes fun of this. Batman is literally just a rich guy in a suit. There's nothing for him to do yeah. in this movie because they don't give him the world's best detective stuff to do, um, and they can't have him fight the big bad guy because he's just a regular human going up against this weird demigod Steppenwolf. Right. He's, he's a background character in his own major movie, which is stupid. It paid me to write down on my phone, I think Batman was my You could take him out of the movie, five. and the plot doesn't change too much. Well, I, I don't know if I agree with that specifically. He's the one that brings them all together. He, 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 fulfills, the, he fulfills the Steve Rogers role, kind of, yeah. um, which is not the role that Batman really should be in. That's Superman's role. No. Well, that's why I liked, I mean, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but they talk about Wonder Woman with it a little bit, and I like that. I was like, good. She's she's your poster right now. Yeah, Do it. Well, they have to now. Let's see what you got. <laughs> I Obviously, I can't speak for you, Jake, but the reason I felt that way about Batman is that, honestly, Ben Affleck looks a little bored here. Um, he, he, he looks a little checked out. <laughs> hmm, I wonder yeah, why. Yeah, I didn't think he was... Yeah. The, what they did with Batman and Batman v Superman was abhorrent, making him this basic psychopath killer. Um, he's, yeah. he, he's yeah. basically a serial killer in Batman mm -hmm. v Superman. Yeah, branding people and whatnot. Here's a little bit closer to the Batman that we know, um, but it's, it's still, it's definitely not the most compelling version of the character we've ever seen, for sure. No. Yep. Yeah, it just, it hurt me to say that, because I, I love, I, I'm, I think I'm officially a fan of Wonder Woman. She helps make Batman v Superman decent by the end of it. Had her own really good movie. Um, and she's good here. So I think I'm officially a Wonder Woman fan. I liked Ezra Miller as The Flash. Um, we didn't answer your question. I liked Momoa as Aquaman. And I think he, there's a lot of potential for his yes, story. Yes, I do think so too. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential. Because right now he's he's a younger guy. He's not king yet from what I'm understanding. Or he is in line for here. That's what I'm talking about. That they just completely rush over his whatever he's supposed yeah. to be doing. He just kind of shows up when he needs to. He's a punchline when you need him to be. Um, but... My understanding is that he is supposed to be king of Atlantis, but he doesn't want to do that. He'd rather just drink and save people. I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Which for me, you know what? He There's an arc here. There is a big Aquaman arc here if they right. want it. So I'm okay with This should have been that. resolved beforehand though. Honestly. Right. Like we yeah. should have taken care of <laughs> right. this already. Mm. I think let's move in. Let's, let's talk about CGI, but let's also talk about our ratings here so we can get it really dig deep. And talking to spoilers. Yeah, I, I want to get into spoilers. Yeah, DC's moving forward. Let's do this. If same. for some reason here on episode 10, this is your first time joining us, welcome. Uh, we operate by the seat scale when we rate movies. So if we love, love a movie, it's a masterpiece. Um, it'll get a royal throne. If it's a movie we really enjoy, um, plus recliner, we've got wooden seat for a movie that has mixed qualities, um, has some flaws, but is overall decently enjoyable. We have damp lawn chair for the inverse of that, which is, has a lot of flaws but it's mildly enjoyable. And then we have Sleazy Outhouse for a movie that's a big bucket of old shit. Um, <gasps> <Hey>. <laughs> Jake, why don't we start with you? Because you were kind of on that CGI um, high horse right there. Yeah, the, the, the CGI is like, guys, we're, we're, we're pushing 2018 here. Can we get these special effects right on a big blockbuster? Mm -hmm. Thanks. Um, it costs $300 million. Yeah, what, what, come on, guys. Um, Steppenwolf... I don't. It's, I didn't care. I didn't hate him like you guys did. I didn't care though. I was like, whatever. Uh, the whole the whole box thing that he's going for. Okay, nice Infinity Stone gag, assholes. Um, but I think the the name of the game here for me was it wasn't 
it what it didn't end up bad. They went light on the story, focused on characters, and it worked. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go. To, it's a pretty solid wooden seat. Mm-hmm. I I can't go plus recliner. I definitely can't. But I wouldn't venture into lawn chair because for me that that pushes bad movie, and I'm not there. So I'm good wooden wooden seat and small bag of popcorn. Like if you like superhero movies, give give it a shot. It's okay. Nate, go ahead. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm not there, Jake. I'm I wasn't satisfied I with this movie <laughs> and. I wasn't satisfied in the half-assed character development because there isn't any. The plot is so thin and so standard for what should be one of the biggest blockbusters of the year. And it's just disappointing on so many fronts. Villains atrocious, in my opinion. Like, literally every cookie-cutter villain that you could ever have, ever. Um, The CGI is bad. That's about all I can say. Like, DC is learning. <laughs> it's it's better, but better from lowest bottom tier is not good. This is definitely a damp lawn chair for me. Uh, and I'd go so far to say that if you're on the fence of this movie and you haven't enjoyed the DCEU from this point, you shouldn't go see this movie. And I think a lot of people are reading the reviews, and that's why it has these low diminishing returns, because people are learning. Um, this movie is not enough to tip the balance one way or the other. It's not that revolutionary, big, blockbuster, icon masterpiece like The Avengers is, um, where everyone's going to go rush out and see it. These movies haven't given enough reason for you to return so far. They haven't paid their dues. They haven't they're paid. Trying to, they're trying to be CEO but, but before taking an intern job. Right. Like, calm down. That's a, that's a pretty strange analogy, but it's a correct one, yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, my my whole thing with the CGI is that anytime the movie was getting into a real groove and I was really into it, it would take me out of it immediately, especially when we we'll, – we'll get into specific things. But, oh, boy, there are some very – Steppenwolf looks awful. Um, he looks like a PS2 cutscene <laughs> video game character. Yeah, kind of. Um, yeah. he, he, he looked rough, and he's your main villain. He's a really bad villain. And, I mean, Marvel movies have had bad villains before, too. Don't get me wrong there, but DC, I, even DC's villains are worse than Marvel's villains. Like Enchant, between Enchantress and this, even like Ares from Wonder Woman. Oh, Enchantress! It, yeah, she I forgot would, about that. Oh my God, they have not been on a roll with these. Um, anyway, this is a like I said at the top. This is a movie with a lot of things working against it. That has only a few things working for it. However, those things are working for that are working for it are really important to it working overall. Um, And if you're going to see Justice League, to just see these characters interact with each other and fight with each other, you'll have a good time. If you go in with any expectations higher than that, any ex like literally a morsel higher than that. And Nate, I know you're going to tell me it's very sad that we're at this point where we have to kind of lower our expectations. But really, we talked about the trailer a month ago. None of us went into this expecting it to even be good. At all. Um, and I certainly wouldn't call this a good movie, but it... it <laughs> this is going to sound like such a fucking backhanded compliment. It fulfills all the minor requirements necessary <laughs> to be a functional, passable <laughs> Justice League movie. You, you, you needed... The, the essay was 8 to 10 pages. You hit 8. Right. Congrats. Exactly. You hit 8. You forgot your works cited page, but you hit 8. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I'm giving this the pointiest... The 
very, very, the pointiest of wooden seats. Like you're sitting, yes. like your ass is stuck on Aquaman's uh, trident. Although um, that doesn't sound very good to me. You don't need to see this in theaters because not enough, not that many people are going to see it anyway, apparently. And the CGI is so bad that you might as well just wait to see it on your smaller, your smaller screen at home anyway. It's, it's okay. It, that's really what I came down to coming out of it. I just kind of sighed and it was like, it was okay. And we'll get into more why it was okay as we move here into the spoiler section. If you have not seen Justice League yet, we are going to spoil the shit out of it in about a second. So please tune out now. If you have seen Justice League or you just don't care, join us in a spoiler section. Whoa! Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Excuse me, spoiler alert! So last week we were talking about kind of our process of going into a movie... Um, and I talked about kind of how I like to watch the trailers of the movies immediately after I come home from seeing the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so lo and behold, I, I do that for Justice League, and guys, half the movie's not in the trailer. I noticed Or the that. other way around. Half of the trailer is not in the movie. Um, and that that's, that speaks a lot to these reshoots. Ha- like, somebody compiled a bunch of footage of footage that was clearly from Zack Snyder's cut that was cut out, and it's almost two and a half minutes long. From if you combine all three major trailers. So that really speaks to how much of this movie is on the cutting room floor. And that's another element we haven't leaned on, really. Jay, yeah. It's kind of a minor miracle that this movie isn't an absolute disaster based on the entire problems of the production that are very apparent throughout from the stuff that's been cut out, from the moments where we jump from A to B, like in 2.5 seconds flat, Ooh. and from the abhorrent cgi in certain scenes um particularly with non-mustachio non-mustachioed superman um which is my favorite thing in the world right now oh lordy for those that aren't aware uh when um when josh whedon took over he needed to reshoot some scenes with henry cavill as superman however he had a mustache for his role in the other film that he was shooting so they CGI'd his upper lip for all of those reshot scenes. And there are a couple scenes. The opening scene in particular, and the scene oh when Superman God. comes back from, from being dead, where his lip is not natural. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it, it just looks a little... It just looks goofy. Like, God, like, what? It, it's shiny. What happened to you? <laughs> it's I. That's the yeah, best word I'd ever. It doesn't it. look it's shiny. It, his his face is just like some. It looks like he waxes. Like yeah, it looks like he waxes. It looks like he's hiding SpongeBob's teeth underneath his lip. Like it's like puffed out and weird <laughs> in a way where it's like you need braces, man. I couldn't even describe it. Um, but like you could you could tell like some even even general audience members might have been like, is what, what I I was watching a, I was watching a visual effects video on. The, the troubles of Justice League and this person that used to work in visual effects talking about the CGI troubles and specifically just how weird the Superman looks specifically and how weird Steppenwolf looks. Um, guys, if you ever get a chance to watch this movie again, this person pointed out something to me that like will change how I see this movie forever. And that's the fact that if you look at Steppenwolf as he talks, only his mouth moves. Like the rest of his face... The face rigging is atrocious, apparently. His face doesn't move 
like a natural human thing. And I know he's an alien. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. It doesn't move like somebody's face moves. That makes and it's a small, lot of sense, actually. Yeah. It's small things like cool. that that completely, you know, they completely kill any kind of investment you have in the movie. And do you guys think mm. they should have taken like six more months, polished things off, and then thrown this out in like March or something? Ah. Uh. I don't think Maybe. it would have saved the movie. As uh, much as I'd love to crap on this movie CGI, I have much more pressing issues to talk about spoiler section now. Let's let's talk plot. So obviously the the big spoiler, and that is major quotations there, is Superman comes back from the dead. No way, Justice League with Superman? You're kidding. A this is I guess fixing the mistake of killing him off for no reason whatsoever in Batman vs. Superman. It makes the ending of Batman v Superman not make sense because why? Why are the pebbles on his grave? Yeah, rumbling. Yeah, they, they shoot up. I just yeah. rewatched it. Yeah. A, like a couple weeks. Why? Ago. That doesn't make sense. He's dead. Yep. So it, it's just it's just yeah. dumb. And that whole arc didn't need to happen in the first movie, and they completely wasted the death of Superman. And um, so he comes back to life. And the only scene in the movie where I smiled was that fight uh, where it was Superman versus the Justice League. Specifically, specifically the scene where he is able to keep up with the Flash. That was that awesome. That was cool. Yeah. And I'm like, good. yes, thank you. They gave me something, A, I wasn't expecting in a creative way, and it made the movie fun. Not because it was funny to watch. It was a pretty serious fight. But it was something that you can only get in a superhero movie. That's what these movies should be about all the time. And we got a little, little taste of it in this movie. Yeah, he ki- he kicks the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. Like, and I love I did really like seeing that because this is the first movie where I really bought how powerful Superman is. For sure. Like, he manhandles Aquaman and Wonder Woman, who are extremely powerful. Um I think just a lot of the work they did here with Superman went a long way to make me like this version of the character more. Because he is such a sopping little bitch for the first two movies that he was in. Um, And he comes back here, and it's like Henry Cavill finally was given a chance to play Superman like Superman's supposed to be played. The truth, justice, in the American way. After that scene, he smiles. He has a colorful suit that isn't gray. There's actually blue on it. I was amazed at how nice it looked when there's actually colors on it. And he's actually having a good time. The other scene with the Flash where he's carrying a building while the Flash is just pushing three people in a car. Yeah. I really like that too. A, funny. And B, just totally perfect superhero stuff that we should be seeing all the time in these types of movies. Yeah. Well, he just comes, comes into the end fight right at the right time. Um, by the way, they cut that whole scene where uh, he was probably going to yeah, go talk to Alfred. Um, not not that that was necessary, but like, how did he figure out where they were? Anyway, um, he comes in, he, he's bantering, he's quipping, he's like, is this guy bothering you? You know, and he's like, I've died once, I don't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets knocked down, and he's like, okay, I wish I was dead. And like stuff, little stuff like that. Those are total weedonisms yeah, and stuff. That. But it does a lot to, re- it does a lot to redeem that character from, maybe he needed to go over the top with the humor and stuff to just... Make him likable again, not make him this zombie of emo depression. Uh, one one thing I wanted to, Nate, you said the only time you smiled during the movie, and I'm going to challenge you. You didn't smile at all when Aquaman is sitting on Wonder Woman's lasso. It was a cute I moment. I thought that was so funny. 
I it, enjoyed that. It gave me the little exhale out of the I nose that. laugh. I laughed. Um, I laughed out loud. It might have been a little symptom of me being just done, kind of annoyed with the movie at that point. Um, and probably a symptom of my audience, too. My audience didn't laugh at all during this movie, which I thought was bizarre because I saw it opening night. I saw it opening night. It was a crowded theater. But my audience was deadpan. So I hope that other people who really? want to enjoy this movie see it with a good audience because yeah, that's at least I, I fun. I had a good audience. My audience was was uh, getting excited when when Superman comes in, uh, um, like like officially comes in to help save the day, and then Aquaman stood on the last one and stuff. The girl next to me was clapping and getting excited. People were laughing. People were like getting excited for you know other scenes, laughing at the Flash a lot. Mine was kind of in the middle. Mine was in, mine was in the middle. It seemed like kind of um, they weren't. They were like lethar- They were a little lethargic, but they were they were laughing at the right moments and everything. There are some pretty joyful moments in here that I really uh, liked, and a lot of that came from – it didn't have anything to do with the plot or anything like that. It had to do with these characters talking one-on-one, um, and a lot of them had to do with the Flash. I, I really like the scene with Flash and Cyborg. I mean it's it's a little bit of a morbid scene where they're digging up Superman's grave. Yeah, um, <laughs> but they're addressing it. Yeah, but they're addressing it, and they're having a really nice conversation with each other. I think my favorite small moment of the movie um, – it, it really is the one that felt the closest to the dynamics of the Avengers and this team coming together is when Batman pulls Flash aside and goes, just save one, then you'll know. Um, and he goes in and he saves one guy and he pulls all of them out. And you see the evolution of Flash as a superhero there and you see Batman as a leader yeah. there. And that felt yeah. like the first time where they were a unified body. Um I, I think that was a really underrated scene. And then and the movie sprinkled with little moments like that. Kind of stuck within this big waff of shit around it. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's something. You, yep. you have to pick the shit out. But, like, once you find it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Can I get into some negatives now? <laughs> yes, I have. Go ahead. So, why on earth do you craft a Justice League movie where Aquaman is around Almost no water. <laughs> he has one scene where he randomly shows up in the sewer pipes after having no reason to know where the Justice League is to save them from the water crashing in. And then he's just big strong guy for the rest of the movie. There's nothing to do with his powers. He's literally just big beefy guy who gets thrown aside when Superman comes in to be a bigger beefier guy. Aquaman doesn't get to show off anything to make me like Aquaman for his powers. You could say the same thing, though, about, like, if we're going with the Avengers route, why doesn't Thor always use lightning? You know what I mean? Like, it's, eh. it, again, again, this is a thing where, like, if we had seen what Aquaman could do before this, then it would make more sense about why he's not using water or anything like that. Like, we don't know the extent of his powers. We know he's a strong guy. We, he can hold his own in a fight, well, like, but, like, yeah, it's it's very ill-defined what he can do. They, they show off the fact that he can like, control water, but we never get that in the final fight. Why not, instead of throwing it in Russia for some random reason, put it next to an ocean or a lake or something so we could waterbend, if that's how they're making his powers in this series. It's not always going to be convenient, because why would... It's not always going to be convenient. Sometimes he's going to have to go back online. We got some stuff We got one thing with water. In his opening In his opening. He stuff. had him... In his opening stuff, everything with Batman. That's and just him go jumping into, into the water. It doesn't actually do anything it's just a cool Zack snyder comic book frame moment that's all it is there's no substance behind it it's just a cool holding, shot we get him saving saving them with the sewer pipes no i disagree with you we get enough water Whatever. to see him i disagree with you i think we get enough 
And then we're going to get plenty in December, which I'm excited for. Um, I, I have a little bit of a gripe to pick with how this movie kind of takes some step step backwards um, with Wonder Woman, the character, and Wonder like the Amazonians, because they make the Amazonians look kind of like punks in this movie. Um, they Yeah, I, I, I mean, didn't think about that, but you're kind of right. Yeah, 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 yeah like yeah. Steppenwolf, I, okay, Steppenwolf's powerful, but like they deal with him pretty easily eventually. Um, and the way that the Amazonians just get crushed is is really kind of disheartening, considering we just... And consider this, too. Steppenwolf, at the end of the movie, is defeated by, like, a dozen of his bugs. <laughs> and they're enough to o- under- overpower him. Yeah, I call that the scar moment. But Steppenwolf was able to take on all of the Amazons, no problem. But these bugs are low enough power level that Batman's allowed to take on a couple one-on-one. The power level switch is ridiculous there. I'm sorry. His big powerful weapon got destroyed though. So for me, I was like, it's like once once his weapon was gone and they 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 said it. They were like, do you smell that fear? And all of a sudden they turned on him because he was he was you know emitting fear. Eh. And the Justice League was powerful. I was alright. I was like, you know what? Fair enough. Like, I can. What does Steppenwolf want? <laughs> like he's 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 like to like, terraform he, Earth he, again for the third DC movie. Like he's in a the row. he's the he's clearly the middleman. <laughs> Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but he is, like, Darkseid's, like, secretary or whatever. So, the Mother Boxers are such a stupid... Every time they say it, it's like something that a comic book writer writes down, but then it should never be said out loud. This is scraps later. Because if you say it over and over... You say Mother Boxers over and over again, it sounds like a Norman Bates-esque weapon, and it's stupid. It's literally a step above MacGuffin. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's all it Um, is. Did you guys find it interesting throughout the movie when we were in Russia... Why were they focusing just on one family? Like, what was the yeah, what was the reasoning either. behind that? It was literally ripped out of 2012. It was a disaster I didn't get movie. That at all either. Like exactly what we talked about with Geostorm. You have to focus on one family so there's an emotional connection to all the destruction going on. Yeah, but like in Geostorm, they're at least kind of the main characters and stuff. But like this, the it just makes the conflict feel really small. Like I never felt mm-hmm. like the world was in danger. I felt like this family of four that just can't play video games or whatever <sighs> was yep. in trouble. I, I think they should have had like it was dumb. Like, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right, Andrew. Because focusing on one family, I assumed they were the only ones in there. But then we we clearly see that's right. not true later on. There's a whole building yeah. of people. Like the the one of the biggest strengths. I'm sorry to come continue to go back to the Avengers. I don't want to. Yeah, but when the only thing to compare it to. Yeah, they are the template for this until somebody else does it better. But the entire third act of the Avengers, I I love how we get those individual moments of. Captain America going to the subway and taking out the Chitauri and taking out all those people, helping out those people there. Um, I love Captain America interacting with the police. Small things like that, like, make the conflict feel huge. The whole city feels like it's in danger. It doesn't feel like anyone's in danger here because it's out in the middle of nowhere. And I know we've been complaining about how DC movies put too many people in harm's way. But there's got to be, again, there's got to be a middle to that. Without saying, mm-hmm. don't worry, audience, the pier is abandoned. We can ruin things now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just the fact that the conflict is fixed literally as soon as Superman shows up, which we know he's going to show up anyway, is just lazy to me. It was so lazy. Because we had to have, oh, man, looks like the league's in trouble. Aquaman and Wonder Woman are incapacitated. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Oh, yay, Superman's here. He's going to punch him, save a few people, punch him again, and now the plot's over. The end's done. Right. And there's no, like, you know, there's no consequences to anything going on. Mm-hmm. That just shows, one, how stupid of a villain Steppenwolf was because he, gets, he just gets taken out so easily. 
Like he's chump change. He's chump change. He Your is. main Justice League villain should not be chump change. No, it shouldn't. But be. It is. <laughs> also, so I know Nate is pretty negative. Andrew, what did you think about the comedy? Were you finding yourself laughing at all? Because I actually was from time to time. I, I was chuckle. I was chuckling every once in a while. Like definitely from um, the flash. Not everything. Like when uh, when him and Bruce Wayne finally meet, and he's like, he's like, uh, oh Barry Allen, Bruce Wayne. He's like, right. You act like that explains why there's a mystery man sitting in the middle of my room in a chair in the dark and. Like, like little things like that I found funny. I would have liked that scene more if it wasn't completely in the trailer. Um, yeah, there there were, most of the comedy worked for me. A lot, some of it felt out of place, but it, it contributed to the lighter tone and helping out with that. So I, I would say I, I appreciated its presence here. I did. Yeah. Um, I'm getting sick of these movies perpetually wasting Amy Adams. Oh, yeah. Um, and now I'm afraid they're going to start wasting J.K. Simmons too. Yeah. He's exposition- Gordon right now. Um, Even less than that. Yeah. He's just somebody for Batman to talk to for two seconds and then he's out. Yeah. He doesn't do anything for the city. (laughs) They're basically just saying he's, he is in the universe. We promise. Anyway. Right. I'm running out of things to say, guys. Do we want to get to final thoughts here? Uh, I think we should. We've been talking plenty. Yeah. yeah, We're going long. (laughs) So Nate, why don't you start? Again, this, this movie, if you're, if you were a diehard Batman vs. Superman fan or you love Suicide Squad, you already saw this movie five times, so you don't really care what we have to say. But for the rest of you that are on the fence about the DC movies, I still don't think this is worth your time. It's it's not fun enough for me. It's not grand enough for me. And it's just not enough of what I want out of my superhero movies. Um, and it pains me to say that Marvel is the only one doing the formula right right now, but... That's where we are. You have, like, a little bit from Fox with the X-Men characters. But DC movies are not consistently good yet. And this movie does not break that mold. Uh, Characters are okay, but really underdeveloped. And we need a lot more time before I can get on board with this franchise. Jake, final thoughts on Justice League? Um, I actually just thought back to your lobby talk. And I think what they need to do, um, I think they need to market the crap out of Wonder Woman and Flash. Batman and Superman are not doing it for this universe right now. You have to market your other characters. You know, Flash is fun and upbeat. Wonder Woman's becoming an icon. Keep rolling with that. Um, And I think they're starting, they're finally just starting to figure out where their strengths are. Please, please just keep rolling with that. Don't try to overcomplicate things when you don't need to. Let's see what else these heroes have to offer. Make them, make them fun, make them relatable, and just keep, you know, keep playing to your strengths. Overall, the movie was was positive. Was a positive for me in the sense that it wasn't bad. Um, so I know Nate <laughs> hates that. I know. And normally, Nate, I agree with you, but I went in expecting to not enjoy myself, and I came out entertained and feeling okay. So if you, you know, if you liked Wonder Woman and you want to see her again, go see it. If you like superhero movies, you know, it might be worth your time. I think audiences are generally ha- doing okay with it. Jake, the next time I hear that argument out of your mouth, I'm jumping off a bridge. There's no hope left in humanity. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, a, it's a step in the right direction. It's not a bad movie. so. Um, but you have you, to go in hating for it to enjoy it. Got it. <laughs> right. You, you got you to gotta keep the positive momentum going if you're DC. Um, there, Nate, I think you, even if you don't like this movie, you have to admit there's a little bit of positive momentum coming out of this. There's hope. <laughs> Slightly. It's a very small beacon of hope. Even as someone here who I feel is the movie's passable, um, there, there, there's a little bit of hope coming here um, because it's good to know that the heroes are being treated with respect again. 
it's it's a passable, decent superhero movie um, with a lot of problems. Let let me be clear about that. There are a lot of problems. But having said that, I think you can watch it and have an okay time. I it's it's nothing. It's nothing amazing, but it's not the disaster that a lot of us were prophesizing it was going to be. I think Jake and I are giving it very, very lukewarm recommendations. I'm scowling in the corner over here, but okay. Well, our mission is complete, and that'll do it for this week's episode of the Middle Seats Podcast. Before we go, Nate Lungarini, where would they find us on the internet? Alrighty, here's how you can get in touch with us. You're currently listening to us on YouTube or Facebook, so please take the time to like and subscribe to our page. We're also on Twitter at The Middle Seats, and any questions, comments, or suggestions can be emailed to themiddleseatshow at gmail.com. Comment below what you thought of the Justice League, and share this episode with all of your comic book fans. Anything you can do to help us grow is greatly appreciated. If you haven't already checked out our spinoff show, Freeze Frame, where we get to divulge a little bit from our usual structure and talk about some old news or totally strange movie stuff. Um, please check that out. Last week, we didn't even talk about a movie. We reviewed Stranger Things Season 2. That's up and available on YouTube and Facebook now. Check that out for us. Let us know what you think about that. This week, we'll be talking about another Zack Snyder film. We didn't talk about Zack Snyder's style a lot because Justice League doesn't really feel like his movie in a lot of spaces. We'll certainly be talking about that on Freeze Frame when we talk about his breakout hit, 300. Next week on the main show, our Thanksgiving show, we're going to travel to the land of the dead with Pixar and review Coco. That'll do it for us. For Nate Lungarini and for Jake Hensler, I'm Andrew Oje. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.